You on the pod with Claire, we gon' talk about our problems, our thoughts, and share ways we can just pause and more often care. And if you lost and scared, baby, pull up a chair. Kindness, caring, loving is the mission. As long as we all stick together, we can make a difference. I'm down with everybody, so I'm paying it forward. Only positivity, so I know you enjoying it. Know the podcast about to start soon. Hope you like pop culture, 90s cartoons. Down with the locals, like who know better. Round like Slodoko and Boo Boo Records here. Know the podcast about to start soon. Grab your wood stocks and your bang the drum rule. Here we go, get ready to laugh. Put your headphones on, kick back and relax. Hi guys, welcome to my talk with author and illustrator Todd Parr. This conversation was actually recorded a year ago this week. Um, my sincerest apologies to Mr. Parr. I'm getting to publish these podcasts as I'm able to. I'm really so excited about this one. I feel like if there's one episode that I want people who haven't listened to this show to listen to, this one is it. I'm still pinching myself over the fact that I got to talk with him. Todd has written over 50 children's books, including the New York Times bestseller, The I Love You Book, and The Earth Book. In this podcast, we learned about how Todd felt different from the kids in his class and when he was growing up and how he's helping children today to feel good in their skin through the words in his books. I believe that he's creating a world that celebrates every person for who they are with every page that he writes. It's no hyperbole when I say that he's one of my tippy top top favorite authors of all time. He's absolutely a kindness hero of mine. He's successful in his career and he's using his success to help others in need. I love not only his books, but how he lives his life. You guys, this is his story. Enjoy. Hi, guys. So today's sponsor is Volumes of Pleasure Bookstore in the sweet little town of Los Osos, California. It's at 1016 Los Osos Valley Road, or as locals would say, 1016 LOVR. <laughs> um, the first time I came into Volumes of Pleasure, it was probably 20 years ago, I had a therapy appointment in Los Osos, and I went into their shop after, and I was like, oh, codependent no more, oh, the art and power of being a lady, and I was picking up all these self-help books, and I was really happy to be in there, <laughs> and they had an amazing selection, and then more recently, I've been in with my family, and my girls were all into the children's books, and the funny thing is, they have this little basket of toys in the back children's section and I found some vintage toys that I remember and I hadn't seen since I was a little girl and it was just incredible that feeling I haven't seen it anywhere since their store <laughs> it felt really neat um I just have to say it smells really good in their store your senses come alive they have little chocolates for you to enjoy at the time of you being in their store um the sounds they have local and international music musicians playing in their shop and then there's just beautiful statues of angels and goddesses it's just a really really pretty place to be um, and their focus is on spirituality eastern and western and they have all sorts of things other than books to purchase like candles to balance your chakras crystals worry stones um the feeling that I get when I walk in there is such peace and happiness and comfort. Like some people feel good walking into church. Some people feel really good at being out in nature. 
And for me, one of my happy places is this Volumes of Pleasure bookstore in Los Osos. Um, I want to say thank you so much, Carol, for sponsoring. I love you. I love your store. Todd's books make a wonderful fit in your store. And I want to thank you for being such an inclusive and lovely space. And if anyone's looking to support local, which um, I know a lot of us are, head down to Volumes of Pleasure and tell them that Claire sent you. Thanks, guys. Hi, Mr. Parr. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello. Um, I have been so excited for this interview. I've been talking to so many people that I know about Todd Parr, Todd Parr, and I am not sure where to begin. So I would just like to ask you, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you like to give us a quick journey of your career from when you were a young artist to now? <laughs> current Todd sure well um, I'm Todd Parr you know I have a first name and a last name but just like you it's <laughs> always combined so it's a really easy name um, kids love to just hey Todd Parr and then a uh, school I went a few years ago and they had a giant bulletin board it's a welcome Todd party so it's an easy name to say Todd parties here so um, I write kids books um, people say what age group I say three to six four to eight an adult because a lot of what I write about is simple things, but yet so simple we forget about them like kindness. Um, I think we're all kind. We just sometimes need little reminders and sometimes a few words and simple pictures help do that best. So um, I wanted to be an artist. I started out like in second grade drawing Snoopy. Um, that was my goal. I just wanted to draw. Um, I had dyslexia, uh, learning disabilities, so it made it difficult for me to learn how to read. So I had to repeat second grade. Um, and of course, I never forgot that because the kids made fun of me. And later in years, when I came back to write books, that's how it's okay to be different uh, came about. But I pursued art through school. That was one of the things that interested me most because with dyslexia, it's visually is very easy for you to learn but putting words together is not um but i really struggled all throughout school and i failed art class uh, my art teacher said you're not ready to pursue it um and i had no confidence and so i said all right there was a teacher that said I'm no good. So um, I went off and tried some other things. I became a flight attendant for United Airlines. And uh, that was probably the best thing I could have done for myself because that job helped build the confidence that I did not have traveling around the world. And I kept coming back to this artist thing that I really want to be an artist. And I was fascinated by some of the work that I saw, like Keith Haring. I was like, I, yes, you can draw like a kid and still be okay. Um, and so I started pursuing my art and I started painting, did some showing, sold some pieces, building my confidence. And then I started doing clothing for Macy's and just putting my designs on things, uh, select things. And then um, a few other department stores and then um, I was doing the licensing show in New York and somebody approached me that saw my like mini Todd Parr department and saw my greeting cards that I had done and said, hey, you're kind of already telling children's 
stories. Have you thought about writing children's books? And I said, no, that's not been on my list. And I think it's because of my school experience that I didn't even entertain that. And she said, what would you do? And I was like, well, I would just write how I think I want kids to learn and understand. And um, that was 21 years ago and 50 books ago. Um, and it's just speaking from the heart and thinking about my experiences of struggling and thinking what ways, what fun ways can you help kids learn how to read and um, feel better about themselves. And um, that's all I knew. Um, that's all I write about. Um, and it's turned into a thing now that it's like kind of cool to want to help kids get ahead sooner rather than later. So. Yeah, so the person that found you at that show and said, I love your style, I'm really connecting with this, You're, that person is still in your life today? Yes, I'm still with the same publisher, um, which is unheard of for 21 years to be with the same publisher. Most authors have books with several different publishers. Um, her name's Megan Tingley. She's now the uh, vice president editor-in-chief of Little Brown, but she was my editor. She's still my editor, even though I've had different editors throughout the years with her. She still always oversaw um, my work. And I think it's she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And she's continued to look for that throughout. And, and I think she helps the other people that work on my work. They're, you know, they'll be in an editorial meeting or design and say, you know, um, these two different shoes are two different colors. Are this are these supposed to be this way? And Megan, yes, this is Todd. So there's a learning curve to me because things just don't always look right to, you know, say someone new in editorial and they're just going over everything and they're like, did he mean for this to be this way or is this a mistake? And so um, she watches over everything, which has really helped mold me into you know, the better of who I am today. Well, thank you, Megan, for being part of the reason yes. that Todd is in all of our bookshelves and a big part of our families. Um, shout out, Megan. I just, yeah, yes. it's funny how these brilliant, wonderful, amazing people in the world have had naysayers and people not supporting them like you know um einstein or edison like oh this kid's never going nowhere and then it's like actually um yeah keith herring did do art at the um pope's <laughs> residence so yeah we need more support and positive positivity yes <laughs> um i wanted to go back and talk to you about, I heard in one of the podcasts that you did that you lost your mom when you were a young one. And my dad lost his mom when he was a young teenager. And he just said that she had such a joy for life and was so loving and nurturing. And then when she was gone, his dad was just this quiet guy. And he, he didn't really talk to my dad about the loss of his mom and he was feeling really lonely and just searching <laughs> for answers. And I was wondering when your mom passed, was there anything that anybody around you did like a little thing they said to you or action they did that was helpful during that sad time? 
No, I nothing that I remember. I mean, I think people don't, um, they don't know what to do, or they traditionally just like, oh, maybe he should talk to the pastor of the local church, you know, or um, all we can do is love him. And I think that's what everybody, nobody knows. It's just like, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the, wrote the goodbye book is because it's such a difficult thing to talk about saying goodbye, you know, in any form, you know, be it death or just losing a best friend moving away. But I think, um, you know, oftentimes there just isn't anything you can say, like, you know, when you lose somebody, it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I know just how you feel. I just, you do, but you don't. And it's probably best just to say, I'm sorry. Um, because you don't have the words and you don't need to make, try and find the words to fill it in. Um, and I think most people don't know what to do. And especially I was 15 when she died, 16 when she died, but she had a long history of, uh, of prescription drug abuse from a car accident she had and was hooked on Darvan and Percocet and these drugs that are just so easily to get addicted to. And, um, and she struggled so much, but she was young when she had me, we were very close. And I think there was just nothing that anybody could do to replace my mom or make it better. And somehow you find your way. I don't even remember how I found my way. There was no, there was no person, there was no, it was, I think it was a combination, you know, it's like give props to my dad um, for hanging in there and not giving up um, when he was lost at what to do. Um, so yeah, it's a very, it's a hard thing. I think the biggest thing is just to talk about it, um, just to get kids to open up. Um, it's all you can do. Excuse me. Um... I was wondering when you were growing up, were there any teachers or role models that you looked to like Mr. Rogers or anyone that maybe you didn't know for kindness or if there's any kind role models that you really admire today? Um, I, I probably really admire Mr. Rogers today way more than I knew anything about him when I was younger. Um, I didn't watch him, but I was aware of him. Um, and um, I kind of missed the Sesame Street thing, too. I just seemed to be a little bit older than than that. Um, but, you know, I think basically, like, I always gravitated towards, I was always a nice kid. My grandma would always say, like, when there'd be examples of something where I could have been bad. And I was like, why didn't I ever, you know, it was a neighbor's last name that was like uh, the Barrises. And, you know, as I got older, it's just like I had heard, I, you know, I could have said that differently. And I said, why didn't I say that when I was younger? And she's like, because you're a good boy. And so I think, that, you know, that it was just a given that the people around me were kind and that I was kind. And it was just sort of a natural thing. It wasn't difficult to be. <laughs> Um, so your career is probably like you working in your office in your home right now, but in the past, you've been a flight attendant and traveled the world. Oh, and uh, promoting books. You've been around the world. I know you've been in, um, 
Asia. Was it Japan? <laughs> um, was I've there... been, I just got back from Singapore. I was there for two weeks um, for at the Singapore American School. I go back there every two to three years. Um, I've been doing that. But yeah, I've been to a lot of places, Brazil, um, China, like it's endless. Um, you know, where I've been. And that the cool thing about that is, is that seeing, you know, how my message translates, you know, throughout the world. And even though the majority of the international stuff I do is, is uh, American schools or international schools where English is very prominent. Um, but also in the places like Portugal, or like in Brazil, where English is not the lead the first language and seeing you know 22 of my books are in Portuguese there but just seeing that universal how things translate and then also where my books are used throughout the world and the different things I've been involved with like Think Equal and allowing them to use my books the rights of my books to print these books for like Zimbabwe and places for like a dollar where they can't afford books or even to print books, but giving them the rights to, to do that throughout the world and how this universal message of just inclusion, acceptance and kindness and peace uh, translate. Um, also there, a few years ago, I started receiving, you know, emails from Iran from someone that wanted to publish my books in Iran. And, and of course, because of there's no recognized copyright laws or international ties with Iran, you know, there's nothing I could do, but they were going to do it anyway. And uh, they offered a small amount of money. And I was like, well, I can't do that. And then they basically said, well, we're going to do it anyway, um, regardless, because we can. And, you know, it makes you upset. You're thinking, that's not fair. I shouldn't have done all these books for somebody else to make this money in Iran. But yet, after discussion with my editor, I decided to write a forward letter that would be included in my books and just say, this is not how I wanted my books to come to Iran. But in the spirit of making a difference uh, for kids that I've allowed this to happen. I don't remember everything I said in the letter, but it's in the books. And you see on social media, all the people that don't, of course, know all this, but they're like, we love your books in Iran and, you know, the message of peace and embracing. And so you look at that and go, I think that's worth it uh, in itself, because I don't see any money. Um, I get nothing from that. And it's making a difference and that's the cool thing about what i get to do is i'm not just collecting royalties writing books and having a fun life it's like i'm getting the right books that help make a difference um all over and that's what makes me feel good i love people that are global citizens and good activists and speaking of i know you're a very generous person and i i um this came onto my radar after I sent you the questions I wanted to ask, but I saw that you had been a contributor for um, the cause that's closest to my heart right now. It's Families Belong Together. And um, I was curious, how did your involvement in that come about? Um, trying to put your art into a coloring book that had a hundred different artists. <laughs> and then it was put into a book that was um, for sale that people could buy and support um, reuniting families and helping the families that have been separated at the border. Yeah, that was just a simple ask on their part. 
um, would you be a part of this? And this is what it's about. And I was like, of course. Um, and then I looked at the other uh, artists, authors in it. And I thought, well, of course, mine is going to be the only one that is going to be like the, the, the rebel, you know, because mine's underwear. It's mix and match underwear, you know, and everybody else has got this beautiful art and, you know, these things. And then here I come in and it's kind of always been that way. It's just like Sophie Blackall, um, who uh, is so talented. And I've been with her at some events before and we draw together and then there's my six-year-old drawings and then her, there's her beautiful art next to it. I said, oh, Sophie's gonna kill me for having my giant underwear and my dinosaur next to her beautiful art. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, that was the cause. It's yeah. all about the cause. And um, I think like that book is just that, like in my books, I rely on humor and unpredictability to help me tell, talk about the things that I talk about. So. But it truly was the cause, you know, it's like, what was that about reuniting family? That's like, well, that's the most important thing. Not does it pay, how much exposure, anything. It's just like, sure, I'm here. I'm out when I help. Yeah, and that's what made the book and project so neat. If it was a whole book of one type of art, it wouldn't be what it is. Um, yeah. I, in preparing for this interview, I was asking my seven-year-old, do you think that I should put underwear on my head and ask him how he's doing? And she's all serious, mom, I don't think that you should do that. That's not a good idea. And then I was like, oh, he probably gets that all the time. Um, no, it seems to be like, you know, that's that line of like underwear are very funny with kids. Even adults, when you read the underwear book, some adult keynotes, I've read the underwear book, but I think it, when you start seeing adults show up with underwear on your head, I mean, it just is like, it doesn't feel right <laughs> uh, to me. It would have been funny with you, but as a rule, it's like <laughs> adults should not in public wear underwear on their head. <laughs> um, is there any acts of kindness that really stand out to you in your career life or personal life that's been really like memorable that you're like, dear diary, this amazing thing happened today and I'll never forget it. There, I think there's been a lot of stuff. I think, um, I think, you know, my involvement with Target and St. Jude, um, I think initially and when they asked me to create um, collateral materials for a grand opening of Target House 2, which was another housing unit at St. Jude um, for families staying there with kids in treatment. Um, being at that event for that grand opening of that, it featured this elephant that I did and had all these celebrities involved. And um, it was all built around this elephant that I did because of what elephants symbolize. And it's a symbol of of St. Jude or Target House of longevity and how they take care of each other. And so seeing my work come together with all these kids, um, you know, who were struggling and, um, you know, that's one of those moments that you go, this is amazing. Um, and there's so many good people in the world that are help making a difference um, for people that I'm proud to be a part of that. And um, of course, everything that I do, it's like got the component of 
am I helping someone? Can we help someone? Can we do more? Um, but I see a lot of that around me um, of people that are really kind and making a difference in the world. And um, I'm happy to be able to support them and using my books or whatever that they do. How do you handle, I'm sure where you're at, people are like, like zombies coming at you and pulling at your energy, like, give me, give me, give me. And how do you um, like say, okay, I can't help every single person in the entire world, but I can do, cause your, <laughs> your website is like just filled with people that you're helping. I'm like curious what your self care is on a scale of one to 10 and how you make sure that you're healthy and happy and taken care it's, of. It's, um, I'm, I'm more um, focused now of like taking care of me first. And as long as I do that, then I'm able to help every, is the people that I help. Um, and it's gotten harder because I can't do every single thing that comes my way. And um, I still find myself in situations going, how did, how did this come about? Um, and what am I doing? And it's be like, oh, okay, I get it, but I can't do this all the time. It's just like doing uh, events and, and the fee that's charged for me to the stipend that I get to do events. And for some schools, most schools, because, you know, budgets are so small, how do you, they don't have the type of budget, you know, to do that. And so I say, yes to more things that don't have money than I do to those that yeah, that do. But ultimately there has to be, you have to take where there is stuff to take in order for you to continue to do what you do. So I take from places like Singapore American School, you know, and these other places that have budgets, their PTA budgets in author visits. It's not a, you know, some crazy idea, like at a school, wait, there's money to bring in an author to talk to kids. It's like, this is part of their, their learning, part of their growing is introducing them, you know, expanding them to these people. Um, and it's not a luxury. It's just like, it's like having art class and, and things like cut. It's like, that's important. And so those that have the budget that do that you take and then you continue to do everything that you can do and it's a balance definitely because i would say the need far outweighs um the demand far outweighs those that have money um but again if you can't take care of yourself then you can't do anything for anyone else and it's a tough love. It's a hard thing to balance and i can't say that i balanced it i really can't because i have to find myself going why am I doing this now? Because I really don't want to do this. I can't do this. I am really behind. I backed up. But, you know, again, you have to look at the other side and say, this is an experience that they're getting to have that they don't know all this. It's, it's about this face value, what matters <clears throat> and the difference that you make. And you always have to remember that, but I don't know. I don't have the balance, but I try. <laughs> learn by doing um you didn't have like an older brother or a, someone who's gone through this you're just learning it as you go mm -hmm. um, 
So I think that the first book I got of yours maybe was the family book. Um, and we have um, so many of your books, but I was thinking about how you, you wrote, um, you did pictures and wrote about all types of families. So some families have one parent, some have two mommies, some have adopted children, some have steps and um, yada yada. And when I was in high school in the 90s, so many of my dear good friends um, were gay and it was like really difficult for them. And I remember hearing after the fact that one of my close friends, um, that his parents had him go to some I, I can't think of the word right now. Um, uh, what's it called? A conversion camp camp. And um, I was thinking that there wasn't much in the 90s normalizing LGBTQA life. And like, can you think of any or were you <laughs> such a trail, trailblazer? Or did, when did your book come out, the family book and the It's Okay to Be Different book? And it's okay um, to be different was 2001 when that came out um family book came out after that but it's like 2000 it's been out 15 years i think the other one almost 8 17 but um but yeah there were no books certainly it wasn't even discussed or talked about i think growing up in wyoming you know it was just like there is no such thing. And if you even were thought to be, you know, you were made fun of. And um, I went through that, but I seem to have a certain resilience despite my weaknesses and insecurities and all my flaws from my upbringing and that, that somehow I just prevailed. And um, um, I like to use the word denial. Um, and that's got me through a lot is just move forward and, don't listen to yourself, don't listen to anyone else, but yet I was affected by it emotionally, but yet somehow I I just, just moved forward. And I think, you know, within my family, even though it wasn't really talked about, it wasn't, you never got the feeling that it wasn't okay, that you somehow were a horrible person if you were, were gay. It was just, they let me be me and I think they didn't know what to do with me and they thought well Todd's just very creative and he's got a very vivid imagination and he's a nice boy um it's just Todd he's just and it had nothing to do with sexuality it was just handling me a little bit differently and I think you know when I did start to come to terms with those things it wasn't my family that I was you know, hiding from or afraid of, um, it was the people that, you know, that were making fun of me or, um, and I think, you know, the consensus was, is, you know, and even in years, my dad said it to me, it's just like, look, I don't understand everything about you. I don't even know whose kid you are sometimes with your mind your imagination these crazy ideas that you have but I just want you to be happy and I think for a dad that was brought up as strict as he was for him just to be able to say that to me was like a huge kudos to him and my grandma you know I think if my mom had been around 
she knew. She knew I was going to be different. <laughs> and my grandma just knew. And it never, there was no question asked. It was just embrace Todd for who he is. And that's all that matters. Well, I mean, I, when I grew up, there was no social media or internet. Um, and now no, with, um, with the way the world is, there's um, bullying affecting kids so young and there's suicides going on and it's just horrific and unthinkable, like as a parent to think that that could actually be a possibility for my child. So um, thank you for normalizing all lifestyles and celebrating and encouraging others to do the same. And I think um, it's just so beautiful what you put into the world. And um, as I wrap things up, I wanted to know, is there anything that I missed that you were like dying to talk about? Or is there any like, everyone needs to know this one kind thing to go out and do today or anything else that <laughs> we should talk about before no. we say goodbye? No, I, I think the biggest thing for me with the kindness thing is that I actually came out with a kindness book this last year. Um, and it was like, of all these books, Todd, why don't you have a book about kindness? And I was like, that's a very good question because that's what I try and do in all my books. So it's so blatantly obvious, but yet I didn't do it. So I finally did the kindness book, um, which I'm really proud of. And I think the big thing with that is, is that um, I think I know this for a fact that, that all of us um, sometimes, as I said, just a few simple pictures and a few words uh, are easier for us to understand and be reminded about something. And I think kindness is such an obvious gift. We all need reminders. And so again, I'm happy to say I have another book that is for four to six year olds and adults um, to help them to remind them to be a little bit kinder. And that applies to social media, um, you know, and I have to deal with that too, because people do not want you to be kind and be successful. Um, there's always an ulterior motive behind it and people want to destruct that. And uh, it's not easy to put yourself out there and be kind because you become very vulnerable to the world. And, and that's a very big target. Um, that people are somewhat threatened by. And it's so simple. Just let people be who they are. Um, be good. Um, celebrate families. Empower people to just be themselves and to be kind to people. You don't have to accept everything. You don't have to understand everything. It's just treat others with kindness. The end. Love, Todd. I love that you end your books that way. Um, if in case you haven't read Todd Parr and you you didn't grow up um, with the books, I don't w want you to be um, pigeonholed like, oh, I don't have any four to six year olds to give a gift to. You should totally pick up a Todd Parr book. And I know that there was a woman who had just recently lost her husband and she was having a difficult time and someone gifted her the goodbye book and it helped her sleep that night. And I mean, um, there's a book from you coming out very soon called the birthday book. And by the time I publish this, it'll be on the shelves. Um, but if someone that you love is having a birthday gift them with the birthday book and add a special note um, from yourself and yeah. Give, give, give Todd Parr books. If there's like three authors I could recommend for any child in the world, it'd be probably like Shel Silverstein and Todd Parr and 
probably someone else, but <laughs> Dr. Dr. Seuss. Right up there. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Seuss. Um, like educated, educating, yes, and so entertaining too. Hi. Um, so I'm going to stop recording. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I think my key takeaways from this talk was that it's really important for us to empower others to be themselves, whether we're taking the time to vote for the rights of others, or if we're just going to compliment people when we're out and about during the day. Um, get the kindness book. We have it in our house. It's a hardcover book, and I cherish this book so much. I think my favorite book of Todd's is It's Okay to Be Different. And the kindness book is right up there with my favorites and you'll just love it. Um, and then be really smart and intentional with your time. So it's okay to say no to things, no matter how good of a cause it is or what the ask is, it's okay to say no and wish them the best and feel okay reclaiming boundaries and times out of your schedule and, um, you can't get your time back. So that's a big, big takeaway. The kindest people out there have very strong, firm boundaries. So use that, take that and implement it in your life and you'll be happy you did. Um, share the podcast with your friends. Do you guys enjoy the talk? Do you um, want to let your friends know that, oh, this podcast is out there. Have you heard about it? That'd really be really awesome if you guys could share that for me. Um, as far as connecting with Todd, he has an amazing website. It's got free resources for you to check out. They've got lunchbox notes, coloring book pages, love coupons for you to fill out, activities and back to school checklists, um, and then a really neat book about how he writes his books. Um, Todd is on Spotify and on YouTube reading books. So if you'd like to test him out, go over to YouTube and click on Todd Parr and hear him read one or two of his books. And then he's offering author visits. You may schedule one of those on his website. How amazing would that be? And then Etsy, you could actually get a print of Mr. Parr's on Etsy. He has some from the kindness book up right now search Todd Parr cameo, you know, or you go to the website and different celebrities can send personal messages to your loved ones. He's on cameo. So if you'd like Todd to wish your child a happy birthday or something fun, go check him out on cameo Instagram. He just has the most lovely things to share on Instagram. He's so fun to follow. And then finally, if you love him and want him to know, there's a fan mail section with information on how to send him something. So um, I'm just so thankful that we live in a world where Todd Parr is out there. <laughs> and um, I hope that you love him even more after hearing his talk, if you're a fan of his art. And if you don't know him, I hope you'll check him out because he's the best. Okay, thanks guys. I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.